Well, come on, somebody, make some noise if you're glad to be in church today. How cool is that? Welcome. And quick reminder that this Saturday is our one-day conference for parents, teachers of Gen Z, or if you are an influencer of Gen Z, you want to understand this next generation better. We're bringing in a very special guest, Dr. Tim Elmore, who is an expert in studying generational trends and movements, understanding generations. He is teaching a master class. I'm doing a, a, a Q&A session with him after the master class. I'm teaching a master class as well uh, that will be comprised of some research that I did for uh, a master's program that I'm currently in for, at Wheaton College. I uh, read over 20 books on the topic and our team for the last year. We have been working hard and not only understanding this next generation, but how are we retooling ministry to best engage the next generation? And so if you are a parent or a teacher, or you have influence or want to have influence with the next generation, you need to be here on Saturday. There is still time for you to sign up. And so can I encourage you to sign up today? You will not regret that. Today we are talking about marriage at all of our locations. And so just heads up, if you are married, if you have been married more than once or are married again, if you're on your way to being married or if you want to be married or if you're thinking about being married or being married again or if you know somebody who is married or has been married at some point, I just want you to know you are in the right place today. And wherever you're joining us from, it is an honor to worship alongside of you. And I do want to just give a special welcome and shout out to all of the men and women who are tuned in in prisons and correctional facilities from all across the nation. We honor you. It's an honor to worship alongside of you. Um, you can learn a lot about marriage just by doing a quick Google search. Um, matter of fact, I've learned more about marriage through marriage memes online than probably any other source besides the Bible, of course. I, I just think most of these are quite spot on. So if it's okay with you, how, how about some marriage meme theology? Anybody ready for some marriage meme theology? Like this one, wife, you pick dinner. Me, pizza, wife, no. Me, tacos, wife, no. Me, subs, wife, no. Me, what do you want, wife? It's up to you. <laughs> Anybody been there? Come on, be honest. Raise your hand if you've been there. Or this one, I'm not a marriage counselor or anything, but um, have you tried taking her to Starbucks and then to Home Goods to look at the fall decorations? <laughs> have you tried that? I don't know. I've not tried that in a while. Or this is my husband looking for something directly in front of his face. <laughs> it's funny because that looks just like me. Or this one, nobody told me that when you get a husband, the ears are sold separately. <laughs> now, this next one, my wife put it in. I personally don't understand it at all, but maybe somebody will. When a dad has a cold and when a mom has a cold. I just know that most of the time she's faking it and my colds are really, really awful. I'm just prone to... When I get a cold, it, it hurts. It's hard. Here, here's, some, here's some good advice. Before you marry a person, you should first make them use a computer that is slow enough or has slow enough internet so you can see who they really are. That is good advice. Or this one, behind every angry woman stands a man who has absolutely no idea what he did wrong. 
Anybody been there? Or women, married life, telling your husband the same sentence 10 days in a row just to have him say, you definitely never told me that. It's called selective hearing, and we do that most of the time on purpose. Now, I don't know why most marriage memes seem to be disparaging toward men. I don't understand that. But since we started with food, I thought we would end with the same category. I think women have a hard time deciding what to eat because the last time they decided, they doomed humanity. Come on. Am I telling the truth? Come on. (laughs) Now, in just a moment, I'm going to be joined by my wife of 20 years, and she's going to set the record straight. She serves as executive director for our church. She is a very high-capacity leader, and we talk about messages a lot. And as we sat down to sort of talk about this particular message, the wisdom that she started to share with me, I, I just, I stopped her and I said, look, I can take notes right now, or I can just invite you to sit down with me on Sunday so you can tell the church what you're telling me right now. And um, so that's what we're going to do in just a moment. But before I invite Katie to join me on stage, I just want to give you a few high level thoughts as it relates to marriage And the first is that marriage is not the ultimate goal for a believer. Christ-likeness is. Come on, somebody. I just just want to start here because sometimes I feel like in Christian circles, we, we act like marriage is the pinnacle, the goal of the Christian walk, the Christian faith, but Christ likeness is actually the goal. To be like Jesus, to follow the teachings of Jesus, to engage the mission of Jesus. Marriage is an incredible gift when stewarded the right way, as is singleness. Come on, church. There's a lot of singles in our church. Singleness is a gift. Marriage is a gift. Every gift given by God is good and meant to be stewarded. I just want to toss out here that Paul, the apostle, he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I wish all of you were as single as I am single because you'd have more time for kingdom work. You'd have more energy for kingdom work. You'd have more focus for kingdom work. And that's because marriage is not the pinnacle of a believer's life. Christ-likeness is the pinnacle. And, And let's just be honest too. Paul, the apostle, wasn't married. Jesus wasn't married. And how many of you know it's safe to say that Jesus lived a pretty good and make a difference kind of life? Like he turned the world upside down and he was never married. And so because our church is full of singles and married people, I just want to make sure that we start here that you don't have to be married to be used by God. If you are married, your marriage should point people to Jesus. That's what your marriage should do. If you are married, Your marriage should point people to Jesus because that's what we do. As followers of Jesus, we point people to Jesus. God gave us marriage as a gift that we might better understand his heart for us, his love for us, and the covenant relationship that he so desires to have with each and every one of us. And that's what marriage is. Marriage is a covenant between a man and a woman before God. It is not a simple contract. It is a covenant. 
And the difference between a contract and a covenant is a contract says, I'm going to protect my rights and what's mine, and I'm going to limit my own personal responsibility because a contract is always self-serving, self-focused, and self-protecting. A covenant, on the other hand, says, I'm going to lay down my rights and I'm going to pick up responsibility. I'm going to lay down my right for privacy. How many of you are married and you know that you ain't never had a private moment since you got married? You, nothing is private when you're married. Not anymore. The two become one. There, you don't have private moments when you're married. You, you don't own anything when you're married. Can I get an amen from somebody? The, hey, this is mine, it's not yours. It's my paycheck, it's not yours. It's my car, it's not yours. No, what's mine is yours. What's yours is mine. When you're married, you, you lose that argument. It's ours. Even our priorities change when we are married. My priorities, if they're not her priorities, we're, we've got different priorities. That, that's asking for trouble in your marriage. We, we are one. We need to be moving together as one. We, we need to be navigating life as one. We need to be tackling the challenges of life as as one. A covenant is always others focused. It's the other focused. It's never self-serving. And and so if you're married, what what do you give to your spouse? And what what should you get from your spouse? We, We should be giving unconditional love to the other, equal honor to the other. We, we should be mutually submitting to the other. This is what biblical marriage is. Now, if you want to deep dive into marriage, today is not a deep dive into like the, the theological foundations of marriage. I just wanted to throw out a few highlights for you. If you want more of a deep dive into the theology of marriage, I preached a message on March 7th, 2021 called The Married Life. And you can go back and watch that message. But today, if it's okay with you, we're going to get kind of practical today. And, and if you're ready for that, uh, I would like for you to join me in welcoming my wife of 20 years to the Rock City stage for the first time. We've never done this together, so I need, I need you to make some noise and give her some love. Come on, Katie Fisher. Come on, you ready? You ready? We talked about should we kiss or not kiss. We didn't want to rub each other's makeup off, so we are. Uh... Go in there. We're going there quick. So we've never done this before. This is uh, the first time for us to sort of sit down and give a message together. We talked through a lot of messages. A lot of what you hear me preach comes from this lady right here, just so you know. I'm kind of letting you in on a little familial secret. (laughs) But Katie, when we sat down to talk about this message, you, you whipped out an outline in like 15 seconds. And it... The, the, this entire conversation, the rest of your notes, by the way, are, are the outline that she whipped out in 15 seconds. There, there's a lot that we need to get to. So let, let's just jump into four things that every person should plan for in marriage. Why did that particular title and framework come so quickly to mind for you? A couple reasons. We, uh, as Chad said, just celebrated 20 years of marriage this year. And so, yeah. Praise God. July 12th. July 12th. July 12th. Yep. So we've been kind of all this year thinking about 
the last 20 years? Yep. What's been wonderful? What's been hard? Uh, what do we want the next 20 years to look like? And we've been blessed in our life to have some amazing couples that are much further along than we are mentor us and uh, we've been able to glean from. So I think from, from that perspective, it was easy. And then the second thing is you and I are both kind of type A firstborns, yep. uh, which is so fun. Which That's means so we're fun. always right. We're all, each, both of us yeah, are always, always right. right. But one benefit of it is we tend to be pretty good planners. Yeah. We look ahead. It's just like part of our DNA, who we are, how God wired us. So we actually have done a few things well in planning ahead. And uh, that kind of became the framework I thought might yeah. be fun to walk through. Yeah, in this verse in Proverbs 21.5, it says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. Mm-hmm. And so if you are married or you desire to be married, you should desire an abundant marriage, a blessed marriage, a life-giving marriage. And so planning for a good marriage is really the start. So Katie, what is the first thing that people ought to plan for in marriage? It's really the simplest thing. And I, I think some people think about this, but often they don't. You are going to be with the same person the rest of your life. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, I knew that when that's I was looking at you, like, on our wedding day, but yeah. it's true. I mean, it's, it's him, only him, always him, all, all the time. And so how you prepare for that yeah. and picking that person matters a lot. And uh, for us, and I, the, God's, word, God's word verifies this, you have to plan to be aligned spiritually. Yeah. Like, Period. His faith is not his faith. My faith is not my faith. Like certainly we have a relationship with the Lord individually, but if, if we're not aligned spiritually, this yeah. thing doesn't work. And it's 2 Corinthians six fourteen that says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Yeah. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? And so if, if you're not aligned spiritually, you are starting off on the wrong foot. Really, really like in the wrong house, in the wrong everything. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many uh, married couples we have met or talked to who are miserable because one spouse is following Jesus and the other spouse is not. Because one spouse prioritizes worship on Sundays and the other spouse does not. Because now there are kids involved and if dad stays home but mom has taken the kids to church, at some point the kids are gonna be old enough to start to say, hey, I wanna stay home if dad stays home or I'm gonna stay home if mom stays home. There's not, a, there's not an alignment in faith. And it's not just are you aligned in faith, it's are you aligned in your commitment to your faith. There's a difference, right? Yeah. You're gonna meet a lot of people who say, oh, I have, I share the, I'm right. a Christian, I share the same you faith. You might see somebody even in this church. We've got some amazing people who, who aren't married in this church and I pray you would find your spouse here. We love that when that happens. But just because they sit in a seat here does not mean they share your commitment to Jesus. Right. Don't it let doesn't. the bumper sticker on the back of the car yeah. fool you. You watch where that car is being parked on Thursday night and Friday night. You, 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 you watch the lifestyle of the person who's driving that car with the bumper sticker. You yeah. see if they are truly committed to living a life that honors Jesus. You have to be aligned spiritually. But as we talked about alignment spiritually, there are some other kind of pretty practical uh, ways that, that alignment yeah. can make a really big deal. It can sort of make or break a marriage, and we're seeing this a lot. What is another way that you would say, gotta have alignment here? Yeah, so Mark, in Mark 3, it says, a house divided against itself can't stand. Yeah. And so there are some other things that, 
before going into marriage, it's really important that you're aligned on, or if you're early in your marriage, that you get on the same page with quickly. The first is financially. Being aligned financially matters a lot. All of us grew up different. Uh, Some of us grew up in homes that saved a ton. Some of us didn't. And so having those conversations before you get married or early in your marriage, making sure you're aligned on the tithe. Like, we, we were blessed before we got married. Both of us were, were tithers. Like we practiced that. We practiced honoring God in that way. And so that was never a point of contention for us. But I often think about like if had that been, had you said, I, that's not something I wanna do. Or if I had said that, our house, it would have been difficult. Yeah. It would have been really difficult. So um, there's no secrets in marriage. We don't have secret bank accounts. We don't have like our paychecks go in the same bank account. We have full transparency. Yeah. Where we make a major purchase, we're talking about that. So getting aligned financially. The second thing uh, is is kind of a little spicier. Maybe I don't know. Is a spice? Is this a spicy thing? No, it's I think not it spicy, but it surprised me. But I agree with it. So tell them what it is. Being aligned politically. In today's climate, uh, the world is forcing people to pick a side. And so there are outside forces that will try to divide your home, whether you want to be or not. So if you're not aligned politically going into your marriage, you're going to have a rough road. And being aligned doesn't mean you and I agree on every single thing. Like, we like to talk. We like to debate. I don't just say, oh, whatever you think, Chad, that's what I will believe. Uh, And you don't say that to me either. But thankfully, early on in our marriage, we were aligned in premise and in principle. And it's just helped us avoid conflict in that area. Yeah, I just think it would be really hard. And this, I told you, we were gonna be practical today. So this is just something we've learned in 20 years of marriage. Even, even though we are aligned in principle, there, there's still things within those principles that we can kind of debate and, and, and sometimes even argue about or try to push back on. So um, that, that just sort of surprised me, but yet I agree with it. And then you, you also said this, um, you asked the question, are you aligned structurally? And what do you mean by structural alignment? The role that each of you will play in your home matters yeah. a lot. And so each of us grew up in pretty traditional homes, I would say. Your, yeah. your dad was the primary breadwinner. Your mom was the caretaker of the home. Same thing in my family. Um, and so while we have kind of a non-traditional working relationship, I would say, not many husbands and wives work together. At home, we actually have a pretty traditional family structure. And I would just say it, it doesn't really matter what that looks like it matters if you're aligned to it. So at the end of the day, like diapers still need bought, bills need paid, dishes need done, laundry happens, lawn needs mowed, like all of those things happen. And so just having an honest conversation before you get married about who's gonna do what, the role you're gonna play in the home, it just solves a multitude of issues. It's having those conversations. It's setting those expectations. It's knowing each other's expectations. It's also just knowing that when the lawn does need mowed, there is always a kid in the neighborhood willing to do it for very, very cheap, right? So that's, that will help you win in just life in general. I want to add this, that no matter your role as a man, I want to speak to men because of how men we have been created by God, there, there will always be a desire, a need within a man to uh, provide, to protect, to lead, yeah. to sometimes go to battle, fight. We were created in that way. And women, regardless your role within marriage or in your home, um, you will always, because you've been purposefully created by God in this way, you will always uh, have within you a deep, strong desire to nurture, 
love, care for, and, and to come alongside of another man, particularly a strong man. Yeah. And um, we, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, I just don't think a weak man is very attractive, right? I don't think it is. I don't, I don't know many women who are like, let me just find a weak man. Yeah. That's weird. That's weird. And honestly, on the flip side of that, and women, sometimes we don't want to hear this, I don't think a lot of men are walking around saying, let me just find a woman who's constantly trying to prove how overly strong she is. Yeah. Like, I believe I'm a strong woman. I believe God's gifted me with strengths. I'm raising my girls to be strong, our girls to be strong. But like, I don't have to keep proving to him that I'm stronger than him. He's He's an, God's enough. Like I don't, I don't have to get that from him. Yeah, and it's about it's about seeing each other's strengths, affirming each other's strengths, um, allowing the other to walk in their strength and operate in their strength. I, I feel like we have learned to do that well together, both inside the home and outside the home. But let's talk about the second thing that people should plan for in marriage, and that is conflict. Conflict. Fighting. It happens, and it's not really like, should we fight? Should there be conflict? Will there be conflict? Yes, yes there will be. Um, and I have kind of this weird thought when I go to weddings. This, is, this will probably not encourage you, but uh, when I'm sitting at a wedding, particularly if it's a young couple, yeah. I often have this weird thought run through my head that like, if they could see, like they're standing up there, they're so in love, they're so excited. If they could see, all that they're about to walk through as a couple. Like if they could see all the conflict, all the dirty bathrooms, all the diaper butts, like all the stuff, all the grief, all the you know, parents passing away, like life is hard. If they could see that, would they still be getting married? And like, I'm grateful God doesn't show us everything because I don't know that any of us would say, yes, sign me up for that. And the blessing of marriage overrides everything, but uh, it's it's just a weird thought I have. Yeah, and we have learned yeah. to navigate a ton of conflict in 20 years of marriage. Some of that was um, just sort of life happening. You live long enough, you're married long enough, there's gonna be natural conflict. Others- when We were babies when we got married. I mean, we were 22. 22 years old. We grew up together. 22 years yeah. old. And so a lot of our conflict was self-inflicted. Yeah. A lot of our conflict was uh, me learning how to be a man we knew each other as teenagers, started dating as teenagers, got married at 22. And so there, there was a lot of growing up for me to do. And I, I've shared this in messages past that there, there were some issues that I had picked up in my teenage and early young adult years that I just thought would magically disappear the moment I got married. And when they did not, it forced hard conversations. We had to learn to navigate and settle conflict in our marriage, but you specifically address two types of conflict. The first is situational conflict. Describe what you mean by situational. Yeah, so as I look back, I think most of our conflict could be put into one of two categories. The first is situational, and these are things that are uh, limited to a period of time, and situational conflict is typically a result of one of four things, and you can write these down. I don't think they're in your notes. Are they in their notes? Nope. Okay. Uh, Somebody's tired. Yes. Somebody's stressed. Somebody's hungry. Come on. Or somebody's hormonal. And can you say it again? 
Hungry, that one? Uh-huh. Well. <laughs> Hormonal. I mean, it's, that's real. Like, those four yeah. things cause a lot of conflict. And the good news is they can be pretty much managed ahead of time by the individual. But if they're not managed by the individual who's experiencing them, there needs to be a lot of grace for the, from the other person for them. Yeah, or oblivious. So this week, <laughs> now hold on, hold on. This week, my daughter had a volleyball game, both of them. Mm-hmm. I got to the volleyball game. I had a long, full day. My, you were my head was heavy. I mean, you were, my head was heavy. Were, I would put this in the stress category. It was, and but it was, a, it was a healthy and stress. And maybe hungry. I was hungry, my, my head was heavy. Um, I was a little oblivious. Now, I did have a text from my assistant and the, the text said, hey, FYI, Katie got her hair cut today. That's you a good might, assistant. You might want to say something. And so I'm not, no joke, I, I literally, I pull up to, the, to the, um, the gym. I look at my note. Okay, uh, Katie got a haircut. Make sure you say something. Somehow, between that moment and me getting out of the car and walking into the gym, I forgot to say something until 15 minutes goes by and she says- We were sitting there an hour and a half. It was a long game. It was a long game. And here's what though, here's the thing. I knew you were stressed. I knew you hadn't eaten. And so I said, hey babe, I got eight inches cut off my hair today. Yeah. And I said, Caitlin told me that. Yeah. I knew that. And we laughed about it. Now in all honesty, had that been like three years into our marriage, right, it would have caused trouble. Just, I, I would have been really hurt. Yeah. Um, because I didn't really understand the impact of whatever he's going through. And I'm kind of, it was a little thing, but right. it, it could have caused a fight. Little things can become 15 big years things. ago. But a lot of it is situational. And when, when it comes to situations, it's, it's about reading each other, uh, knowing what the other is walking through. Are they hungry? Are they hormonal? Are they stressed? Are they tired? And just giving grace. We, Can I say one more example that yes. I think you, you did this really well. So these are like the haircut, that's a light thing. But something you did really well that was situational was uh, when my mom was sick. And she, my, my mom had ALS. She was diagnosed in, um, I think, 2015 or 2016. We had really young kids at the time. And pretty quickly, she was unable to care for herself. So I found myself driving you know, two, two and a half hours, uh, a couple times a week to care for her. That was a situation we were in. Now, I am confident I was not my best self in that situation. I was stressed. I was tired. I was hungry. I was warm. I was like all the things. And I, I look back on that time and you showed me such abundant grace yeah. in that season. You picked up where I couldn't at home. Um, you never took maybe my exhaustion or my attitude as personal. You just like loved me through that, that situation. Well, thank you, Katie. Yeah. I have never heard that before. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> deeper conflict, yeah. deeper conflict is what? So these are things, and we've walked through many of these, uh, when trust is broken. Yeah. Maybe um, there's a childhood wound that rears its head or is triggered later in life. Maybe there's a major spiritual attack that one of us is walking through. Those deeper things are not situational and they require a deeper level of care. A lot of attention, intentionality. What are some things that we have learned 
to do that have helped to keep us on steady ground for 20 years now, particularly as it relates to some of the deeper conflict issues? Yeah, and most of these are things mentors encourage us to do. The first one is really what we don't do, and that's we don't take our issues to other people. Yeah. Uh, so I have a sister I'm very, very close with. Most things in my life, my first phone a friend is her, but as it relates to like our marriage, if we're walking through something, um, I don't pick up the phone and vent to her. I might ask her to pray for us, um, but I'm not, I'm not dumping our issues on her or on a good friend of mine or anybody else for that matter. Yeah, and, and that relates to our parents, siblings, friends. We just don't dump on other people all the issues in our marriage because what happens if you're not careful is you'll have those one or two people in your life that will tend to only ever hear about the negative side of your spouse and you can create sort of a picture of your spouse and, and start to create a whole separate world for yourself and, it, and it's just not the healthiest thing to do. But we've also, we, we've both spent time in counseling um, we have both spent time with Dr. Andy Arborough's team. We actually took our whole family there and spent an entire week with their team this past summer. Um, and we've, we've learned to apologize quickly, often. And when we apologize, we have always done our best to, okay, now that's the end yeah. of that. There was an issue. A lot of times it is situational. Apology, even if it's a text apology. I'm sorry, I had an attitude. I didn't mean to say that. I just, let's move on. Yeah, if you could look at our part, text thread, it would be like text, 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 meme, link. Yeah. Text, 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 I'm sorry. Text, text, text. I mean, like we just, yeah. there are a lot of apologies in our rhythm. I would say every week, one of us is saying I'm sorry to the other because we, we do things that we need to apologize for. And so just practicing that even in the small things helps when things are bigger uh, to be used to saying I'm sorry yeah. and then used to be to accepting that apology. That's good. I, I would just say this, if James 119 is a verse that was made for marriage. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. That's something we need to develop a discipline for daily. Uh, so is Ephesians 4. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. I love that those are two different things. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. That's one thing. Don't give the devil a foothold. That's another. And just kind of going back to we don't go outside of our marriage, I would just humbly suggest to you that the, the, if you are going to seek marriage advice from somebody, it probably ought not be like your barely married friend. Anybody have a barely married friend? Like probably don't get advice from them. Maybe not, maybe not your like recently divorced friend who yeah. just has a lot of issues that he or she is going through that they might not be in the healthiest place. Find somebody who has lasted a marriage. I met a, I met a man who preached for 40 years, pastor for 40 years. He said, I've been married for 60 years today. I just met him in the lobby. I was asking him questions about his marriage. We have people in our life who've been married for decades and decades. And we're saying, how did you do it? Like, how did you navigate those major challenges? What were some of the biggest challenges? But, but also, just be careful, like, guys, don't, don't talk to a woman that you work with who just may understand some of your tensions a little bit better than your wife does. Ladies, don't, don't take your marriage issues to a guy at work that just happens to be a little better at listening than your husband is. Because here's the reality, infidelity doesn't happen in a day. It's something that is nurtured 
it is developed. And um, I, I would even submit one more thought and that is, I'm not even sure that it's a good idea to have a best friend that isn't the person you're married to. And I actually, there, there is a bit of biblical foundation for this. If you look at the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew word for spouse in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word aloof, and it literally means best friend. So in Hebrew, the word spouse literally means best friend. Friend, and, and so Katie and I can look at each other and I can honestly say, Katie, you are my best friend. I have great friends, but you are my best friend. You're my first call. You're the first person I wanna celebrate life with. You're my best friend. I know that I'm your best friend. And I think, I think that's a great segue into um, number three and why number three really matters. And that is that we need to plan to like each other and to keep liking each other. If you're married, you need to plan on liking your spouse and you better plan to keep on liking them because it's hard. It is hard. And this one might seem kind of weird because, you know, we say we love each other. And right. I think love is the primary emotion of marriage. But I actually think like is the primary function of staying married. Because if I don't like you, I'm going to distance myself yeah. from you. I'm going to seek others or I'm going to seek other things. I'm going to do things that maybe don't edify our relationship. And so staying in like with you is, is sometimes hard because we're humans yeah. and you do stuff that annoys the crap out of me yeah, sometimes. Yeah, likewise, baby. You, I'm not even going to get into that list. But here's the deal. How many, how many people have you talked to who are divorced or in process of divorcing and they will say, I still love him. Yep. I still love her. We just can't seem to make it work. Right. It's because I still love that person, but I've learned to stop liking right. them. Liking somebody is difficult. It's, love is a choice. You can choose to continue yeah. to love somebody, but it's really hard to pretend to like somebody if you don't like them. Like it's hard to, it's hard to hide a, I don't like you. And so working at continuing to like somebody, what are some things that we've done? Like how do you plan for that? How do we build into like making sure that we keep liking each other. Yeah, one of the, I mean, super practical, but we get away together. Yeah. We've got, you know, two kids, they're teenagers. Now um, we've got a church that we love, but we are around people all the time, yeah. like all the time. And so if we don't purposefully say, okay, a couple times a year, it's yeah. just gonna be you and me away for a few days. We always do at least one week away, just the two of us. And um, in those times, like, by day one or two, we're usually laughing more than we usually do. We're finishing a sentence. How many know when you have young kids, especially, it's really hard to even finish a yeah. complete sentence without being interrupted. So just to have like two sentences yeah. back and forth is like, I still like him, praise God. Uh, <laughs> intimacy's restored. I mean, yeah. it's, it's so healthy to get away. And it's, I'm so grateful we've, we've practiced that. Yeah, we've told years. our girls their whole life that some of the best time girls that we spend for you is time that we spend away from you. Yeah. Because if our marriage fails, this family falls apart and we, we don't wanna see that. Yeah. And so you need a mom and dad that are strong. And so we, we fight for that. We pray for each other. It's really hard to not like somebody that you are consistently praying for. We've built traditions as a family together that we fight hard to keep and to maintain. Like uh, 
for just between us, Sunday night sushi yeah. is something that we uh, love to do. Drop your kids off to youth night if you have kids of youth age, and then go out on a date. On a That's date. what we Best do. Best date night. It is. It's awesome. It's Can awesome. I say something about praying for each other? Yes. That's just for, I think it applies to men, but for women, I'll just share what I have done um, is a prayer I pray almost every day for you is, Lord, show me Chad as you see him. When I start to see Chad as God sees him, it is really hard not to like him because God sees a man who's forgiven. God sees a man who's called. God sees a man who's anointed. God sees a friend. God sees a son. And so when I posture myself not to look at what I'm seeing in the flesh, but what God is seeing in the spiritual I, it's, it's actually almost impossible not to love you and to like you when I see you as God sees you. Yeah, particularly, come on. That's good. Particularly when you're really angry with them or they've, or they've done something to hurt you or to whatever it is. And you can start building this, this, this thing up in your mind. When, when, when you train yourself to see them the way God sees them. It, it, it is a game changer. Well, Proverbs 2, 6 says, God gives wisdom yeah. when we ask for it. And so a lot of times we apply those verses to decisions or to things we're walking through, but when we apply them to relationships, Lord, give me the wisdom to see him as you see him. Give me the wisdom to have clarity about this situation. It helps me see you the way God sees you. Yeah. Now, we've not said anything about sex I would say that is an important part of marriage. We have two daughters in the front row, so I'm just gonna throw that out there. Ecclesiastes 9, but y- y- y'all need to right. know where That's you came from. Get it right, that's all I'm gonna from. say, get it yeah. right, get it right. You need to know where you came yeah. from. <laughs> Happened at least once. Um, we have two kids. Oh, twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was just setting the bar low, <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a scandal. There's yeah. no scandal. We, True. we have two kids that happened at least twice. Did happen at least twice, yeah. <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter nine, watch this. Verse nine says, enjoy life with your wife. Enjoy life. And we do, we work hard to enjoy life together. We, we work hard to make sure that, that we have intimate moments together. It's hard when you're busy. It's hard when you're tired. It's difficult when you are raising children. There's always something to get in the way of that, but you have to fight for that. Work hard to enjoy life together. Make time to spend time together. Make time for each other. We work hard at that, but we also work hard at understanding each other. Talk just a little bit about how we've really tried to understand the other. Yeah, so this really gets back to the the prayer, like God help me to see Chad, as you see him, and the more that I can understand how he's wired, how God made him, the less annoying he is, just to be perfectly frank. Uh, and so we, we take like a lot of just, I mean, it sounds super nerdy, but we take like a lot of personality tests and we've gone through the five love languages. Yeah. And uh, one thing we're kind of geeked out about right now is this thing called The Working Genius. It's by Patrick Lencioni and we took our whole staff through it. Um, and it just helps us identify like where we're really, really good at certain things. And um, 
just practically, like that, that, that test alone helped me see a lot of you and why you're wired the way you are. And so like for his, for his working genius, tenacity is super, super high. And that used to just really bother me. I'd mention casually on like a random Tuesday morning, hey, maybe we should clean out the garage this Saturday. And Saturday morning would come and it'd be like 7.30, I'd be asleep. And he'd be like in my face, ready to clean out the garage. <laughs> and I'd be like, no, I'm, I, I like to take my Saturdays slow. And like by nine o'clock, the garage would be clean, like period. And it bothered me so much. But honestly, that test helped me see God made you that way. Like yeah. God made you, thank God he made you that way. He made you with tenacity. He made you to galvanize and get yeah. things done. And, um, and so just even understanding that about him takes our differences and say, it, it, it's like, God made you that way. How yeah. could I get mad at you about that? And so we've included a, a ton of resources on your notes, or if you're watching online, we've, we've put them um, on the app and, and, and that as well. Five love languages is really uh, key. The working genius strengths finder is just really helpful in understanding how a person is wired. Um, I love the book, Love and Respect by Dr. Emerson Egricks. What men desire more than anything is respect. What women desire more than anything is love and the feeling to, of security. And so just, just, I would encourage you to, to read some of these, use some of these resources to learn from them, but also just to, to, to work as a couple. Or if you're planning on getting married, then use them to kind of build up and get ready for marriage. But have conversations, talk about those things, dive in, lean into each other. That way you can actually laugh about what, what makes you different. You, you can make light of the, the different quirks that each person has, and you can understand their strengths as well. Uh, one last thing, what, what, what should be the last thing, number four, that we should plan for in marriage? I think uh, planning for the season ahead. Yeah. So in, in, all, in all of life, there are seasons, right? So uh, as a married couple, you have a honeymoon season. The first few years of being married, I think looking ahead and saying, okay, what do we want those couple years to look like as a couple when you're newly married? Um, uh, the season of having kids, if the Lord blesses you with kids, like what do we want our, our rhythms to be? If we hadn't committed when the, even before the kids were born, like we're gonna take time away. I promise you, I did not wanna leave my six-month baby girl. Like I just didn't. And Chad had to say to me, hey, this is something we said and planned for that we were gonna do for our marriage. And I kind of went kicking and screaming, honestly, that first time, because I just didn't wanna leave her. I couldn't imagine. But then we got away and I was like, oh, yes, this is who we are. Like, this is good. So if we hadn't planned for that, I think that would be really hard. Uh, this is a season we're in right now, which is kind of strange, is just planning for life without kids in the house. Our kids are teenagers. We're a few years away from this, but um, what is that gonna look like? I think so many times we place our identity in the season that we're in, and when that season changes, it causes us to have an identity crisis, and I'll That's just good. say as a woman, when your children leave the house, and I'm like, I, I know I'm gonna ask this question, who am I without children in the yeah. house? As a mom, that's a hard question to ask. So if I'm not taking that to the Lord right now, if we're not having those conversations, I think those seasons are gonna be hard. Um, and then the, the, you know, the, the last one I'll say is just the season of retirement. Like what do we want those years to look like as a couple? Yeah, so we're, we're, we're relatively young leaders, particularly in, in the church. And 
uh, we're already talking about what retirement is gonna look like. Like what, what are the things that excite us? Like what are some visions that we have for those retirement years? And, and I, I hope, you know, Lord willing, I'm 25, 30 years away from that, but we'll see, right? Be it the will of the Lord. We're gonna do this as long as we can. But still, when we hand this thing off, and so uh, I, I talk to pastors constantly. Um, I'm, I'm reading books constantly about pastoral succession and how to transition a church to new leadership in a healthy way. Not because I, I expect to do that in the next year or two, but, but so that when I get to that point, I, I've, I've learned a ton. I've seen it done well. Um, we have so many godly mentors in our life that we're looking to and saying, how did you navigate this season versus that season? How are you still in love with each other and in like with each other? And, and we're learning from them. And uh, we, we've just, learning and applying what you've learned is, is gonna make the biggest difference in your life and in marriage. And then one, one more question, Katie, um, because we've not addressed remarriage at all. Any advice that you have for somebody thinking about getting remarried? Yeah, I mean, I think all of this applies. The thing I would add is uh, before you approach remarriage, please ensure the person that you're planning to marry, if you have children, is absolutely over the top in love with your children. Whether they're small kids or adult kids, um, they just better think your kids are the most amazing things they've ever seen and love them and love them well. Yeah, that's good. Anybody glad you came to church today? Come on. I just want to um, kind of close out with a few encouraging thoughts to spouses or those on your way to getting married or you want to be married. Um, Galatians 6, 9 says this, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Yeah. I just wanna remind you that you reap what you sow and you reap where you sow. Yeah. You want a good marriage? Sow goodness into your marriage. You wanna be a good spouse and be married to a good spouse? Sow goodness into your spouse. Marriage is a lot of work, but it is worth the work. And, and our marriage and your marriage will never, never be as good as it can be, but for how willing you are to do the hard work and making it good. The Lord promises to those who trust him in Proverbs 3 that when we trust him with all of our heart and we lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge him, he says, I will make your paths straight. And no marriage will ever be all that it can be if not having Christ first in your marriage. But when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things, all of the desires in your heart that are from the Lord and of the Lord will be given to you as well. And then of course, Jesus, he says this, the first and the greatest commandment and the second greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. You will never have a closer neighbor than your spouse. Can I get an amen from somebody? And I just wanna say there, there is grace for you in your marriage and there is grace for you in your future marriage. And if it's okay with you, I'd like everybody to stand up on your feet and we just want to, as a couple, we, we wanna stand and pray over you. 
If you would, would you just take uh, your spouse's hand if you're married? I was thinking about this as you were talking, uh, maybe one more plan for. Yeah. And that's plan to take your husband's hand yeah. or your wife's hand. I can't tell you how many times um, you've grabbed my hand or I've grabbed your hand and just that simple act kind of uh, just, it gives a lot of grace for yeah. a day's worth of issues. Um, and I'm grateful for you, grateful for your leadership. Thank you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the gift of your son. Thank you for the gift of marriage. Thank you for um, your presence here today. Lord, you, you are with us and you are for the couples in this room. You love them. And your grace and your goodness is, is, is good enough for anything that we will face. And so we just wanna praise you for that. We wanna thank you. And even right now, just bring to mind uh, all of the ways God has brought us through as couples. Time and time again, he's opened doors and he's protected and he's forgiven. And we're grateful for that. And as we stand here together, I just declare strength over the couples in this house, Lord. We don't wanna be a church of of marriages that are just surviving God. Yes. We wanna be a church full of marriages that are strong, that are thriving, that are contributing to your kingdom, that are raising strong families, that are strengthening our communities, strengthening our cities. And so we declare that in Jesus' name over this house. I pray that as couples are standing together, you would bring to mind things that need to be dealt with, God. We don't wanna turn a cheek and, and not, and not uh, address things that need to be dealt with, God. But I pray that we would seek you first in how to deal with those things. And that in this next season, Lord, healing would be abundant, grace would overflow, and your strength and your spirit would be glorified. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord, we pray your blessing over every marriage. We pray your blessing over every single person who desires marriage, who is moving toward marriage. May every single person here be filled full of the peace of your Holy Spirit, be led daily by your presence. God, I pray for those who uh, don't yet know you. I pray, God, for those who, as we talk about seeking you first, maybe you're here or you're watching from a distance and you'd say, I'm, I'm that kind of person. I, I don't know that I know the Lord the way that he wants to be known. I don't know that I've been forgiven or that I am saved. The Bible says everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. Your relationship with the God who created you is the most important relationship in your life. So if you wanna be saved, if you wanna be forgiven, would you pray with me right now? Just say, Jesus, I need you, and I trust you as Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me through and through, and fill me with the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit, and lead me daily into the life that you created me to live, a life that makes a difference for you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Come on, can we honor Jesus together today?